Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. I have this card that says on it, deal with emotions. Now, I just want you to understand about my life so you can understand how confused I get with a note like this. So clearly, this could be a note to self. Deal with your emotions. Now, my emotions, God knows, have been known to get out of hand. <laughs> you know, you know, very, very easily. And so I, it could be a note to self. Deal with emotions. Also, I teach acting. And so this could be something we were working on an acting class where I said, you know, Let's deal with emotions. Let's learn how to, when somebody gives you an emotion as an effect, as an actor, how you translate that into something actable. So it's a very, very good topic. It's a topic we talk about all the time. So it could very easily have been that. The third possibility, of course, is that it could be an assignment for my French class. As it happens, that's what it is. Because I, like so many of my students, think that because I talk about it in class, that I will A, remember it. And so we made a list of 12 emotions because they wanted me to learn the French for these emotions and, and do it. And I said, yes, yes, yes. And so, of course, then suddenly the next class came and I hadn't worked on it because I thought I remembered them. Anyway, but I had to laugh when I saw deal with emotions and I thought to myself, wow. Okay, so I had Caleb do the monologue that he's doing in class and send it to me. The problem Caleb had was that he was playing his rehearsal. He was playing his homework. It had to do with trusting the work is in you. And as I said to Caleb, this was a huge problem of mine. If you, if you look at my book, which includes the letters Stella Adler wrote to me when I was in rehearsal for a play and I got lost. Thank you. And she... Uh, but she said to me, I mean, and she basically was saying to me, the work you do at home is in you and don't bring it into rehearsal. And, and basically she was saying, trust it. Trust that you built whatever it is you built. Trust that you built uh, for Carson, your relationship to E.M. Forster for Karim, your relationship to the depression, all of that, you have to trust it. You cannot play it. You, it's like, um, it's like life. Um, I used an example for Caleb of life. Just if you were telling somebody about something that happened to you, you would have a reason for telling them about it. And the reason could be anything. The reason could be, God, I had the most ridiculous morning. That's the impulse. And somebody says, so what was your morning like? 
And it was like, well, first of all, I woke up and the air conditioning was on and I was freezing and I thought it was winter. And then, you know, so it's, it's like, so then I have a series of events that feed into the impulse. I had the most ridiculous morning. So, I mean, what it tells you is it's important for me to have the impulse for why am I telling you this? And it could be anything. The impulse could be, look, you got to hear this. Let's say, Karim, if you chose that. So, in other words, the work that we do, the rehearsal that we do, the technique that we employ, the tools that we have where we build the past, who my character is, the circumstance that I'm in, the images, all of that is all part of building what Stanislavski called the given circumstances of the play. So it's all about building this world. And now I'm living in this world. And so I have to just trust when I enter it. And some days it's going to be better than others. Uh, One actor called it shape-shifting. I think of it as morphing. Uh, but whatever it is, um, uh, Holland Taylor talked about it like she walked into a phone booth, whatever it is. And if you see Holland's one woman show of Ann Richards, it's genius. It's genius. You would not believe that that's Holland Taylor because you've seen her on Two and a Half Men as the mother. And then, but, but, when she was building Ann Richards. And what was really interesting is that she used to come to the Adler School in Los Angeles to rehearse. And so, you know, you'd go in and watch her rehearsing different parts of it. And that's what she did. And she'd put on an element of costume and she would verbalize out loud what, because she was also writing it, what was going on. She was talking out. And so she was talking out as the character in that circumstance. And as is in the case of both Caleb and Carson, the audience that is there is who she was talking to. It's somewhere. You should watch part of it. It's just, it's remarkable character work. So, okay. So you've done all this work. You built all of this. You built your relationship to your partner. You have built your relationship to what you're talking about. And so now I'm sorry. You got to trust it. It's horrible, but you've just got to trust it. You've just got to. And Carson, you had a very good word. And unfortunately, you can't live by your really good word because I don't know why. But it's like you do the preparation and you do the impulse and then you just bleed into the monologue. Such a great word. So it's, it's like, that's what you want to do. Build it, build it, build it, own it, see it, do all of that work. And then on the day, you know, trust it. Very difficult, very difficult. I, to me, I, I was saying to Caleb, it was the most difficult thing for me as an actor. I often found that the, uh, building the past was an excuse for not acting. 
I, I know writing down was an excuse for not acting. I mean, I do all this writing and writing and writing, and it was so fascinating that it should be published. But at any rate, because it was just, to me, it was scary. It was scary to let go and go there. And it's the reason uh, in the definitive book on acting, when I was asked about why I liked Meryl Streep, I said, because she was willing to, because she's willing to go there. I mean, that's it. You want to be Meryl Streep? You've just got to go there. You can't sit on it. You've got to be brave. You have to sort of sit back and say, okay, let go. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Uh, I'm going to have Caleb and Carson, you can also, because the two of them have to do these monologues tomorrow to continue at the school. I know. We are hopeful. Um, okay, Caleb, take whatever preparation you want, because this is a rehearsal, knowing you'll dump the preparation. Carson, I want you to remain absolutely dead still. I know you don't understand it. You are in close up. And every time you go like this, you're distracting. So I, what I would like for you to do is to stay absolutely still and focus. Uh, and this will be very good for you um, when you have a TV career and you have to do auditions. And so you have to put yourself on. People think they have to take TV classes. They don't. They just have to know how to fill every moment. Now, uh, Caleb, do the following. I can tell you are already trying to figure out how, how to build what you're going to build in order to get where you think you want to go. Just don't. Just start talking. Just, just, just start talking. That's the first time you've ever gave me that note. I know. I'm sorry. And it's dangerous. But I want, at least I didn't tell you to start reading. Okay. No, oh, no. Okay. So just start talking. Because listen, what you're doing is layering in what you can believe. You are not deciding in advance what your preparation is. You know where you're headed. You know what this is about. When I was alone in the room, the visitor having retreated beyond the plywood partition between his pink and green stippled cubicle and mine was chalk white. Good. Not, 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 it's, it's not so pink. Go on. The thing about it is if you're playing this, this slowly, 
when you get to the good stuff, you've got no place to go. You know, this is, this is, I mean, it's fine. You can say the pink and green people, the cubicle and between this and that. But then get on with it. Not just he, but everything was gone. And this was gone. And this was gone. Everything but the, but the that over the thing and this. You're basically saying this was all here. And then, yeah. Then get on with it. In the very, in the very front of this play, the, the published version, is a photo of Tennessee in in the apartment with the quote, this house was once alive. That's what, that's the impulse for the scene. Yeah. Good. Yeah. This house was once alive. And now I'm going to tell you about what? Uh, 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 the house was alive and it affected me. And so now I'm going to tell you, the listener, about what? This moment that what? This moment when I was alone in the room. But, but, but more personally than that. Well, this moment when I was completely alone. But what happened? It's, it's, it, you're telling them it's a result of what just happened. Carson, I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, do, do you see how Amanda and Karim and Wesley, Wesley's letters haven't moved. They're absolutely still. They are not distracting. <sighs> Wesley's not even here. <laughs> Thank you, Carson. So look, Caleb, the impulse for this is uh, this house was alive and I'm and the whole play is about various things that happened to me in various rooms and various events in this house. So I'm I'm going to tell you about so yes, and so we get to see what happened. So if we hadn't seen the scene, you would have been telling us about it. You would have turned to us and said, one night I was feeling particularly lonely. And all of a sudden, the tubercular, home, practically homeless man from next door came to me. And we made love. And there was a moment where I was not alone. And then he left. So tell us about that. The visitor having retreated beyond. You're not reliving it. You're not no. reliving it. This action is not to relive it. This act, it's totally different when you're, when you're reminiscing about something than when you're living it. You are not reliving it. It's, it's you remember it. 
You, you, it's a reminiscence. You remember this. I, re- I remember this moment. I, oh, oh, yes, now I remember now. After he left and I was alone in the room. The visitor having retreated beyond the plywood partition between his pink and green stippled cubicle and mine, which was chalk white. It turned ash gray at night. Not just he, but everything visible is gone. No long pauses. Yes, everything visible was gone except the you already know where you're going when you start it. You're not discovering it. See, the problem is you're living in the place, and that's not the monologue. You're, you're looking around the place. You're, this is a memory. Even though you're in it, it's a memory. Oh, okay. So, so in, in other words, you know, you know where you're going when you, when, when you talk about it. Everything was gone except the, except I remember now. Everything was gone. He went beyond the thing into the other room, and then everything was gone except the light and the alcove. You know where you're going. You're not, yeah. you're not sitting. You did that already. Right. You did that already. That's your homework. You, you did the exercise to build the place. And, so, and you did build the place. Now you own the place. But that's not what this monologue is about. This monologue is a memory. And so what you're doing is telling us what your memory of this is, but you're telling us why. The why is there's something you need to understand about me. There's something you need to understand about my life. There's something you need, whatever it is. That's why I'm telling you. My first sexual encounter was with a man that's probably dead now in a cubicle next to mine in this house that was once alive. I'll tell you what it's like. It's almost like... <laughs> I, I, I have this, vi- this vision of the beginning of drama has always been that Orc, the caveman, came in and said to his friends, uh, they said, oh, where have you been? And he said, I killed a dinosaur. And they said, oh, tell us about it. And so then he said, well, he was over on the thing, and he was there, and he was that. And so then I went, and I surprised him, and I managed to take a boulder and throw it off a cliff, and I killed the dinosaur. And so that's how we went for a century or two. And then one day, they said, oh, you killed a dinosaur. Show us. I know. Amanda, you play the dinosaur. Caleb, you play the caveman orc. And so now we're going to, I'm, I'm going to do this scene, but let me just show you, you know. And so I think that's how. And then eventually they started having celebrations and singing. And Bette Midler started doing performance pieces. And that's how musicals began. But I mean, you, you can just see the evidence. Okay, so 
In this particular play, as with Glass Menagerie, I'm going to tell you about things, and then periodically you're going to watch them happen. Both Glass Menagerie and Duke could very easily be a one-character monologue. At the end of it, what does she say? Through understanding? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And it's almost like this is going to be very strange for you to understand. I had this encounter, but after when I was alone, right before I went to sleep, I looked at her and she raised her hand in a gesture of forgiveness through understanding. That's what exists. That's where I'm headed. I already know that when I start. I'm not discovering it. I know that's why I'm telling this. Let me tell you about what happened after yeah. he left. That's new for me because... Well, don't overthink it. No, 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 no. It's the nature of rehearsal, quite honestly. I, I, I didn't understand it either until we just worked on it. So that's, you know, that's why I talk out. I talk out because, because I, I have to talk out because if I talk out, then I begin to own what it's about experientially. So start it again. Sorry, everybody. I just feel like, you know, we have to make sure that Caleb doesn't get thrown out of school for bad acting. I Don't Need an Acting Class is created and hosted by Milton Justice and produced by me, Walker Vreeland. The opening track is by Jeffrey Keezer. It's called Miram from his album Wild Crafted Live at the Dakota. And the closing track is Green Tea by Vendla. If you could, we would just love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and rate it and review it. Uh, you can find us online at I don't need an acting class.com and on Instagram at I don't need an acting class. As always, if you have a question or a comment, uh, please email Milton questions for Milton at gmail.com. And who knows, he might address yours on the podcast. So again, that's questions for Milton at gmail.com. Hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening and we'll see you back here next time.